Hey everyone, welcome back to the Nutrition Lifestyles with Kim and Joanne podcast. I'm Kim. And I'm Joanne. And today we have a very special, spicy guest with us. Yes, we do. Today we have Dr. Kanchan Koya, who is the queen of spices. Kanchan has a PhD in biomedicine from Harvard University and also has training from the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. She believes that food can be our best medicine. Her baby, pun intended, Spice Spice Baby, was (laughs) born after the birth of her son, whom she incorporated spices in the dishes that she fed for him. And her mommy friends were quite shocked that she was adding spices in his meals at such a young age. So because of this, she started Spice Spice Baby. Kanchan is also one of the creators of BuzzFeed Tasty, where she provides her talent and knowledge in all things food. Hi, Kanchan. Welcome to our podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So fun to be here. We are so happy to have you join us on our little podcast here. Um, so we're going to jump right in and we want us, we want you to tell us a little bit about, a little bit about your background and a fun fact. Yeah. So gosh, my background is I grew up in India and I came to the U S to study. I did my PhD in molecular biology. I was very interested in science. I thought I wanted to become a scientist. And then after my PhD, I kind of dabbled in biotech and like pharmaceutical drug development for a couple Mm -hmm. of years Mm -hmm. and then really pivoted into food as medicine and started a blog, which (laughs) I think for a lot of people, including my parents, was a little bit of a like, what is she doing moment? (laughs) But, you know, I was just following my heart, which was really um which knew that I wanted to be working in this space and at the intersection of food and health. Mm-hmm. So here I am. Yeah. A few years later, Spice Spice Baby is now a book and the platform is growing and now it all makes sense <laughs> and doesn't feel so crazy, but right. that's kind of the story in a nutshell. And a fun fact about me is I cook a lot of adventurous food, um, obviously incorporating spices. But when I met my husband um, in 2002, I literally ate Thai takeout like every single day. And he likes to remind me that um, he's the reason my palate expanded. And therefore (laughs) I, you know, started to cook all these amazing dishes, (laughs) but it's kind of true. So I've definitely come a long way. That is so funny. I mean, I love Thai. I really do. That's like one of my favorite. But I love the foods that you have on your Instagram page. So you, I don't know what you were doing before, but what you're doing now, I'm loving it. Definitely. You are a mover and a shaker in the food and wellness community. So, you know, let our audience audience know, because this is a question that I've always had, Kanchan. How did the concept for BuzzFeed Tasty even come about in the first place? So, you know, BuzzFeed, the media brand, um, has had Tasty, their food arm for, I think, five years now. They just celebrated their fifth birthday. Mm -hmm. And what happened is when I decided to publish, uh, self-publish my cookbook, Spice Spice Baby, I guess I was very active on social media and I caught the eye of a talent scout for BuzzFeed that was looking to bring on 
external talent um, as part of Tasty's kind of talent bench. So, you know, if you think of media brands that have food arms like Food Network or whatever, mm-hmm. there's in-house talent, right? Like we all know the in-house talent at Food Network, you know, Bobby Flay and like mm-hmm. Emerald and all these right? legends. All of them. So Tasty being a digital food network and the la- largest digital food network in the world wanted to create a similar kind of talent program. And so they reached out to me. I got a cold email from a talent scout at BuzzFeed saying, we want to audition you um, to be part of, you know, a creator kind of talent program for Tasty. And I thought it was totally spam. And was like, <laughs> like, I was very disoriented. Mm-hmm. But I responded and auditioned. It was several rounds. And now I've been part of their talent team for two plus years and it's been absolutely incredible. Wow. Nice. So it definitely does pay off to show our passions on social media. Is that what I'm understanding what you're saying? Because like, <laughs> gosh, I had no idea. I was just kind of on Instagram stories, like talking, sharing, teaching, hoping to educate and inspire. Yeah. So I do think the takeaway is you just have to keep singing your song, you know, mm-hmm. and, and everyone's path will be different and the discoveries around you and your offerings will be different. Um, But yeah, I just, you have to sing your song and that's really the only thing you can do. Wow. That's what I'm taking from it. (laughs) Do what you do and somebody's going to see you out there and contact you and you will be in Cantan's position. So, you know, a little bit earlier, you were talking about your passion as um, your passion with food being medicine. And we talk about that a lot here because I have the same um, beliefs as you do in regards to that. But let's talk a little about a little bit about inflammation. We see it a lot on social media inflammation, anti-inflammatory conversations, and people get confused. So I want you to let our listeners know the difference between um, acute inflammation and chronic inflammation, or when is inflammation good and when is inflammation bad? I love that question. I talk about it all the time. You know, I agree with you. I think inflammation has become this bad thing and we want to fight it and we want to well, you know, we, we want to quench it or squelch it, I should say. Mm-hmm. And um, the reality is it's a very important mechanism that has evolved over our entire kind of life, you know, as humans on the planet to protect us. And we mm-hmm. want inflammation mm-hmm. in the right context at the right time. It's what keeps us safe from invading pathogens, viruses, bacteria, also abnormal cells within our bodies. You know, the initial response to an early cancer cell is the immune response taking care of it, which is part of the inflammatory response. So Mm -hmm. it's not like we want no inflammation. We just want it to be focused, directed at the right time in the right place. And like Mm -hmm. you said, unfortunately, because of a plethora of circumstances linked to really modern life, whether it's stuff in our food supply whether it's stress or poor sleep hygiene or, you know, just a host of factors, um, some in our control, some outside our control. Many of us are walking around with elevated kind of chronic inflammation. So Mm -hmm. we want the inflammation to shut off when once it's done its thing. We don't want it to stay elevated because that's when you start to um, wreak havoc basically on your normal physiology, on your cells, 
it promotes aging. Exactly. And, you know, there are some um, scientists who also talk about how it's kind of an energy sink, um, mm. you know, to have inflammation and all those inflammatory molecules and cells on hyper alert all the time is kind of taxing on the body. So a lot mm. of times people who feel chronically fatigued might be mm. experiencing chronic low-grade inflammation, which is literally, oh wow, um, de- you know, draining their energetic supply because we have limited, I mean, we all have limited energy at some point. So mm-hmm. I think it's just really important to distinguish between that really important inflammation that protects us and defends us and then chronic low-grade inflammation, which really contributes to pretty much every modern day disease, aging, um, and ill health. And that the latter is what we want to address through food and lifestyle as medicine. Yeah, I agree. Right. And you know, that I love everything you just said. I mean, it speaks so much to everything that I believe in. And, you know, when I have clients, I always try to tell them, stop comparing yourself to what you see on social media. Stop comparing yourself to your friends, because the symptoms that you may be experiencing, they may not be chronic. Like I've had people who come to me that they were like, it's been a couple of weeks and I've had this and that compared to somebody who's been chronically ill for 20 years. So don't put yourself in this category just because you read something online. Yeah, great point. And and also, Kenchan, I wanted to say with that, with the whole entire inflammation perspective, earlier today, I was at the hospital And, you know, there's a few patients in ICU that I'm seeing, you know, because of the whole entire COVID-19 situation. And I promise you, every single one of them has sepsis. And for our listeners out there that don't know what sepsis is, basically sepsis, it's a a condition where the body starts attacking itself because of this cascade of inflammation that begins. And the body really just gets overloaded. So I like the fact that you said that, you know, inflammation can be good. It's a protective mechanism. And then also when things go haywire, then that can be have some negative impact as well. So, you know, I want to switch gears a bit and start talking about spices because spices also have a lot to do with this inflammation topic that we're on. And, you know, we know you earlier, you mentioned about Chief Spice Mama. And we know that you believe that food is medicine. So why are spices specifically such a powerhouse? And why are you so personally passionate about them? So I grew up in India where spices are integral to our lives in the kitchen and outside the kitchen. We use them in cooking, obviously, three times a day, sometimes five times a day. (laughs) Um, But we also pull them out when illness strikes. Um, They're an integral part of Ayurveda, which is the ancient Indian medical system, Mm. over 5,000 years old. So I I grew up with that kind of wisdom circulating all around me through my grandmother, my mom, my aunts, you know, my family and really the culture. And then when I came to the US to study and I went to Harvard Medical School to do my PhD in molecular biology and Mm -hmm. DNA repair and cancer, my lab started to study turmeric and particularly curcumin, which is the active compound in turmeric that's best studied for its cancer-fighting properties. Mm -hmm. And I think that was just such an interesting, profound moment for me um, coming from a very ancient culture culture with an ancient medical system, Mm -hmm. which honestly, us modern Indians kind of take for granted and almost Mm -hmm. like roll our eyes at we're like, whatever, you know, 
okay, I'll drink the turmeric milk because my grandma is forcing me to. <laughs> Not knowing that 20 years later, they were going to be on menus and cafes all across the United States, which right. still cracks me up, to be honest. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but yeah, I think it was just this moment where I realized that um, so much of what our ancestors intuitively knew somehow, mm -hmm. which is quite mind-boggling to me how they knew that, is now being validated and corroborated by modern science. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think that really sparked my kind of obsession with spices and health and wanting to educate nice. myself and everybody else about these powerhouses, like you call them. I really do think of them as powerhouses. So, you know, the other part of your question was what makes them such powerhouses and why particularly for inflammation are they so relevant? Right. And I think the reason they are so powerful is because they contain multiple bioactive plant-based compounds, or like we say in the speak, you know, phytonutrients or polyphenols, mm -hmm. all these plant-derived compounds, many of which have been studied, many of which have not yet been studied or worked out. Um, and these compounds seem to affect inflammation in multiple ways. Mm -hmm. So we know that inflammation is a cascade, like a molecular series of events. There are multiple players, there are cytokines, there are all these inflammatory molecules, there are master regulators of inflammation, there are inflammatory cells. And it seems like spices really have so many different plant-derived compounds that hit inflammation in multiple ways. Um, and that's probably what makes them so powerful. Also, it seems like with most phytonutrients, you know, a little bit goes a long way. So you might think, oh, but I'm just adding a sprinkling of a spice. Like, how can that even do anything? Right. But the research is showing us that it can. You know, in some cases, you need to supplement and really get enough of a concentrated amount of a particular polyphenol, for example. And curcumin is actually from turmeric is one example where if you're trying mm -hmm. to um, treat yourself therapeutically for something like, say, rheumatoid arthritis or any kind of inflammatory issue, you may need to supplement to get enough of the therapeutic dose of curcumin to see mm -hmm. an effect. Mm. But we know that there are other spices like cinnamon, for example, um, where culinary amounts become really impactful. Um, because of these polyphenols, you know, they have different effects and different kind of activities in the cells. Interesting. And the study that I really like to quote lately is one that came out just a couple of months ago, I believe out of Penn State, that looked at in a randomized control trial, which is obviously like ultimately what we want to see more of in this area of food as medicine. Not always done because of financial interests, I think, mm -hmm. you know, it's expensive to do these trials. And it's hard to patent like a spice blend or it's hard to patent like pomegranate, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, you don't see as many of these studies as I think we would like to see, but the study looked at a spice blend that had quite a few spices in it, like bay leaf and black pepper, turmeric, cumin, coriander, paprika, you know, host of spices and looked at the effect of the spice blend on postprandial, which means post meal inflammation following a high fat, high refined carbohydrate meal. Mm -hmm. So they gave people this kind of standard American, like very um, high in saturated fat, high in refined carb breakfast. I think it was biscuits. And I mean, it was, it sounded, you know, like something people would 
think is delicious and it probably mm. was. <laughs> but um, they combined that meal either with no spice blend, a small amount of spice blend, or like a tablespoon of the spice blend. And they found that when people got exposed to a tablespoon of that spice blend, their inflammation markers in response to that meal went down. Really? In a statistically significant manner. And that's amazing because that's like one meal. And it's, you know, I cook with spices all the time and you can easily put a tablespoon of spice in a meal. Um, Right. I know Joanna and I did that on an Instagram live. We did. (laughs) You know, um, so it's really powerful. These these spices... um, can really impact um, our body's inflammatory response in real time in culinary amounts. And I think that's what makes me really excited about sharing recipes or any kind of education or inspiration around using them more frequently in our kitchens. You know, and I love the fact that you said, you know, your ancestors, this is what they did. This is what they passed down from generation to generation. And now we're having these randomized controlled trials, which our ancestors intuitively knew about all along. Because, you know, we're, Joanne and I were both from the islands and spices are just in our DNA. And when we tell people, this is what we do, this is what we do, you know, they look at us sometimes and say, well, you know, what, what's the science behind that? But, you know, I just feel like, man, if we would have got on that turmeric milk recipe like 10 years ago (laughs) (laughs) you know we would have been trailblazers in the health and wellness community i mean the thing is that as kachan was saying earlier is that you go through schooling in the united states and the modern age looks at um the literature first so if it's not in the literature we don't use it. And I, I I don't know about Kim, but I was ashamed or not ashamed, but like afraid to bring out the knowledge that my parents had taught me with the herbs and the spices, because a lot of it has not been yet studied. And there's no randomized controlled, double blinded studies that have been done on them. So because of that, people would, I, I thought people would not accept them and some still don't, but I'm, I'm, loving that now I'm seeing a lot of people are like, okay, this has been done for thousands of years and we're going to bring this out and because this works. And I'm loving that. I agree. Totally. And you know, I also like to tell people what's the downside. I mean, there are very few examples where you wouldn't want to really embrace a certain spice. Like there are a couple that come to mind where you don't want to overdose because there's some side effects, but otherwise It just makes your food more delicious, makes cooking Mm -hmm. more fun and brings in all these plant-based benefits. So like, I don't really see the downside. I don't either. I don't either. Let's talk about gut health because I I love gut health. Um, I do a lot of gut health therapies in my practice. So can you tell us if there are any spices that you would recommend for optimal gut health? Yes, I love gut health too. And back to the ancient Ayurvedic um, school of medicine, you know, in ancient Ayurveda, there was a very famous saying, which was all disease begins in the gut. Yes. And it was sort of thought of as like an oversimplification. But now that we have all this, like, you know, all this incredible research linking gut health, the microbiome Mm -hmm. to everything, literally every aspect, you know, whether it's Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, cancer, chronic inflammation. I mean, you name it, there's a mm-hmm. connection. <laughs> so it all comes back to the gut. And yes, spices have always been um, 
revered for their digestion boosting properties. And then now we have some evidence that some of the polyphenols in these spices interact favorably with the microbiome. Mm -hmm. So whether it's directly affecting the digestive organs, like promoting increased, you know, digestive enzyme secretion or um, pancreatic enzyme secretion or helping food move through the digestive tract more efficiently or uh, neutralizing kind of um, acid reflux, a host of different kind of mechanisms of action, if you will. Mm -hmm. But the spices that I love to highlight that have all these properties would be fennel. So people always ask me, what can I do for heartburn? Or like Mm -hmm. when I'm feeling bloated and my digestion is sluggish, fennel seed is incredible. If you've ever been to an Indian restaurant, they always have a little tray of fennel seed at the Uh exit (laughs) to chew on post a meal. And that's why, you know, fennel is a very, very potent digestion boosting spice. So fennel, cumin and coriander, which are very often used in a lot of curry powders and curry blends, uh, both very, very beneficial for digestion. They can help calm bloating and gas. Um, really, really powerful. I mean, I can tell you that anytime I cook beans or legumes or lentils, I always cook them with bay leaf, cumin, coriander, like mm-hmm. hands down. And then we know that uh, paprika and cayenne, which have similar phytochemicals called capsaicin or the capsaicin family, there's some evidence that those interact favorably with the microbiome, promoting the growth and flourishing of more beneficial bacteria, which are anti-inflammatory. Mm-hmm. So those are another; those are ones that always come to mind. And then turmeric actually is really interesting because um, it's thought or it's been shown in some small studies that turmeric can improve the integrity of the gut lining. So people may have heard of leaky gut, mm-hmm. where you know there are literally holes in your gut lining whereby food particles, pathogens, which should not be escaping into your bloodstream can now do that. Mm -hmm. And leaky gut can happen because of too much inflammation. It can happen because of food sensitivities, um, too much alcohol, you know, all those things. So turmeric seems to be able to boost the production of this protein called intestinal alkaline phosphatase or IAP, Mm. which is involved in the tight junctions that keeps Mm. your gut lining intact. So I always say there's another benefit of turmeric. And, you know, like you said, we know that inflammation and gut health are intimately linked. Mm-hmm. Our immune system, a big portion of our immune system resides in our gut. Right. So when we're managing inflammation, we're also supporting gut health. When we're supporting gut health, we're supporting inflammation. So they really go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. So other spices that I like to bring up that are anti-inflammatory are cinnamon sumac, which is my all-time favorite. Um, nutmeg, black pepper, and then of course, turmeric again. I, I, I have all of those in my cabinet right now. <laughs> <laughs> you do? I think I'm the only one I'm missing is that fennel. <laughs> I need to get that fennel. Is that why, let me ask you this, Kanchan, because I know you're Indian descent. Is that why you guys finish off a meal with chewing fennel seeds? Yeah, I think so. I think it's become so customary that we don't think about it. But I think the ancestors, again, must have figured out that, hey, fennel seed can really help um, digestion of a big meal. So yeah, exactly. And there's a tea called CCF tea, which is literally 
a teaspoon of cumin, a teaspoon of coriander, and a teaspoon of fennel seed in water that you can just steep in hot water and then strain it and drink it. Very, very powerful for bloating, gas, any kind of sluggish digestion issues, also for heartburn. You know, people, I think just to touch on the heartburn issue, it's so common. Mm -hmm. So many people DM me on social media and like, what can, what spice can I take for heartburn? Heartburn is very intimately linked to your digestive efficiency. Mm -hmm. And often, often it's sluggish digestion that contributes to heartburn because food is sitting there very long. You know, the acids are sort of working on it, on it for too long and can make things uncomfortable. So really what you want to focus on is get getting things moving. So again, these same spices, which can help boost mm-hmm. um, the ability of food to pass through the digestive tract, digestive enzyme production and microbiome health will also help with heartburn. Nice, nice. So throughout the duration of this episode, you know, I'm, I'm here taking notes, as usual, Kim is always taking mm-hmm. notes. And, you know, you've mentioned a variety of different spices, turmeric, fennel, cinnamon, uh, black pepper, coriander, nutmeg, etc. But I want to know, what are your top three? What top three spices do you think everyone should have in their home? Like their little starter kit? Yeah, I love that. Wow, you really narrowed it down to three. I usually go for five. <laughs> I like it. I like it. It's a challenge. Um, I would have to say turmeric because I think, um, you know, it really is the powerhouse that it's believed to be. You always want to pair it with black pepper whenever possible Mm -hmm. to enhance the bioavailability. So am I allowed to not use black pepper as one of my spices? (laughs) Salt and pepper are not really, I mean, everybody has. Right. So (laughs) I'm going to cheat and say pepper doesn't count, but pepper is a spice. So pair it with turmeric. My second one, I think would be um, paprika and cayenne, you can use one or the other or both, you know, for people who don't like heat, paprika is really nice. Cause you can go with sweet paprika or smoke smoked paprika. Mm-hmm. And then cayenne, I love personally for heat. Um, they have this class of compounds that are in the capsaicin family. Like I mentioned, really, really amazing for inflammation. There was a study linking, um, chilies and cayenne to longevity. Mm. So that made me very happy because I'm obsessed with chili. Really? <laughs> Yes. Um, and then the third one, I, I, I'm going to say sumac and people who've been following me on social media will not be surprised. I put it on everything. I like to put it up there because it's so easy to use. And one of my big passions is to get people using spices as often as possible. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like so often people reserve spices for that mm-hmm. one recipe that calls for it maybe once a week. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I just want you to use it as much as possible. Like, you know, challenge yourself to put it on salad, in your soups, in your stews, on your grilled fish, like whatever, your veggies. Sumac is one of those that I really can't think of a single dish it wouldn't work with. It's lemony, tangy, kind of bright. Um, It's an anti-inflammatory. It also has anthocyanins because it's this beautiful purple color. And anytime we see color purple in nature, like with eggplant or blueberries, Mm -hmm. you know, we're looking at that incredible pigment um, anthocyanins, which have such powerful like heart health boosting, brain health boosting effects. So I put sumac on everything and I feel like it's just so versatile. So it'll go in my top three. Nice. Put it on the salad. Wow. Honestly, that's new for me. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try to put some. Yes. Yeah, so in the Middle East, um, it's really common on salad. Like if they do a 
cucumber, tomato, parsley, olive oil, and then just a ton of sumac on top. Oh, it's making me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm even thinking I can take it further and put put it in my smoothies. I haven't Maybe. done that because I don't I don't always think of lemon. But yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't see why not. <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, I I if you guys um who follow me on social media on my Instagram, I recently shared with you guys how I've grew up eating um, nut butters, peanut butter, and now I do it to my cashew butters or almond butters, adding cayenne pepper. It's like a really easy way to add cayenne pepper to your life every day. Like if you're somebody who has a nut butter on your bread every day, just add a little cayenne pepper to it Mm -hmm. and spice it up. I mean, I I love it. And my kids are now loving it too. Ooh, I saw your spice nut butter and I was like, oh my gosh, that is next level. (laughs) (laughs) It's really delicious. It's really good. But that leads me to my next question with the kids, because you and I have kids. I want to know, how have you introduced spices to your kids' meals? Because my kids, if they're going to tell me everything is yucky. And and I'm always of the school of exposing them to something at least 21 days um, or 21 times, as you say, of exposing them to something to get them to to like it and get used to it. How have you introduced spices to your kids' lives? So to be honest, Spice Spice Baby, my blog, came about when my son was six months old. So I knew I was passionate about food and health, food as medicine. And I became a mom and Ilhan, my older son, was six months old. And I started feeding him solid foods and putting spices in his baby purees on day one. I talked to the pediatrician in New York City and she was like, absolutely go for it. There is no basis to this idea that we have to give babies or kids bland food. There just isn't. There's no scientific basis for it. Right. Um, and in fact, the contrary is true. So if we give them flavor... And by flavor, obviously, we don't want to give them added excess added salt or sugar mm-hmm. or like artificial flavoring. Mm-hmm. But these natural flavors, you know, thyme, rosemary, um, cinnamon, all the spices we talked about, it's only going to expand their palate. It's only going to lead them to be more adventurous eaters. And like you said, it can take multiple exposures. So don't expect them to necessarily accept the new flavor right away. My daughter, who's now three, is going through a very classical, typical toddler picky phase mm-hmm. where she ate everything until she was two and a half. And then suddenly everything was like off, you know, right. off limits. Like, oh, I don't eat anything anymore. So uh-huh. I, I know how that is and she'll come around, but I will not give up. They will keep seeing the food that they have right. so, um, you know, supposedly rejected. Mm -hmm. I'm not giving up. It's going to keep making an appearance and spices are the same. So I definitely would say you can give your baby all the aromatic spices, cardamom, clove, cinnamon, turmeric, paprika, black pepper, cayenne pepper, you may want to hold off on because those are a little bit more irritating to the taste buds. There are cultures in the world that don't hold off on them. Uh, but I definitely waited to give those once my kids were a little bit older, like, you know, like you, your kids now and my son now will, will enjoy it and say, oh, it's a little spicy and kind of drink some water or whatever. But that's how you learn. And really, there are no spices that are off limits. Um, the more you can challenge yourself um, to incorporate them as early as possible, you know, the more they will be accepted by your kids. Mm-hmm. And if not, just keep trying and keep exposing. and. 
also enjoy them yourself. I mean, we are the models for what our right. kids want to eat. So if we spice up our food and it's on the family table, they're naturally going to gravitate towards that. You know, kids always want to eat what you're eating. They do. They really do. I'm telling you that I, I threw out everything that I did with my firstborn because I have an almost one year old. Everything that I did with my firstborn, I threw it out the window. I went by the books of introducing foods at a certain time, you know, waiting and, and blending things separate from our foods. This time around, the fourth child is a whole different child. Everything. He gets everything that we're eating. <laughs> I may have to like mash things up a little bit with the fork or make things a little bit softer when I cook it. But he's getting all the spices, cayenne pepper included. I just put it all he and he has no issues. He has no okay, issues. Jayla. And like you said, it's around that three year old age is when they start, I don't know, realizing like I want to make decisions on my own. I don't know what it is because that's when they start like it's yucky. It's yucky. Everything is oh. yucky. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a combination of wanting to be in charge and also a developmental leap. I really think the palate changes. They may develop more sensitivity to flavors. Mm -hmm. And I found with my son, if I just kept, stayed the course, stayed the course, you know, didn't, I mean, I don't want my kid to, if my kid rejects corn, I'm not going to say my kid doesn't eat corn. Like, I'm just going to say my kid is learning to like corn, you know, right? Um, and just keep offering it. So yeah, exactly. Um, I would say exposure as early as possible is key. Right. And also with that, for you guys who may be listening, who you know, you may not be used to some spices, your palate may not be expanded yet. I would definitely say still challenge yourself and try it. So to wrap this up, Ken Chan, let our audience know where can, where can they find you? I'm pretty sure everyone knows by now, but let's just still say it. Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm very active on Instagram as Chief Spice Mama. Um, so you can find me there, you can DM me, I try to answer all my DMs, even if it's a little bit slow. And then I'm also, um, you can also find more content around recipes and spice benefits and all that stuff. And my book at spicespicebaby.com. Um, and right now my book is running um, under a promotion because of coronavirus. And I just wanted to help more people get access to kind of healthy spice recipes. The code is in this together. It gets you 20% off the book and it's um, free U.S. shipping. So. Awesome. Nice. Nice. So guys, please go ahead and check out Kanchen's book. But we thank you so much for being on our podcast episode today. And if anyone has any questions specifically about gut health, about inflammation, about introducing spices, don't hesitate to reach out to Joanne or Chief Spice Mama on Instagram mm -hmm. to have all those questions answered. As usual, remember to like, share, and give us a five-star rating. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Thank you, guys.